Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Single Mom Stories podcast. I have to really use my brain when I say that every time because my other podcast is called She Doesn't Settle, and there's just, it's very similar. Different content, obviously, but very similar. If you haven't checked that podcast out, definitely do so. It's different from this, uh, but the same also, right? The purpose is to provide support and empower women, but it's more along the lines of our health and well-being and our careers and all the things that are involved. So anyway, check it out. I am excited because I have a wonderful guest to share with you today. Before I dive in and tell you all about her, just a few reminders where we can hang out. Instagram, she does a single mom stories podcast. We have a Facebook group called Single Mom Stories that you can find. I'll put the links below. There is a YouTube channel. I'll drop that link in as well. This is a new podcast and the best way to get it out there and get more listeners is with your help. So if you are a listener and you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to rate and review it. That'll help other folks find it, um, be part of this community. That's really my purpose and my goal. Having been a single mom for six years, I always looked for something like this and couldn't find it. And that's why I created it and why I want to make sure that uh, women know it's here. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. If not, cool. All, all good. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Let's talk about Amy. My interview with Amy and who she is and all about her. We had such a great conversation. We started off talking about the beginning of the transition from being married to being a solo parent, what that looked like for her. She is in London. So we talked about some of the differences in, in what happens when you separate and particularly how London supports single parents and and her challenge in terms of like the cost of living in London, but also wanting to stay near her support system because she relies heavily on other people, uh, has learned to have that support and ask for help, which we talk about as well. She has been a single mom for six and a half years. She has two girls, eight and 11. And she works very hard to provide. I mean, like I said, living in London is expensive. She talks about it. So the challenges for her are working all the hours, trying to parent at the same time. She has health issues. And as you know, like the world doesn't stop when we have other stuff going on. My favorite part of this conversation was when she shared one of her favorite memories with her girls to date, which involves Camp Bestival, tent collapsing, and a lost welly. You have to listen to hear the full story, but I think you'll smile as you listen just like I did. That's what I love about this podcast, just being able to connect with women who are parents. You could be a parent in a partnership or you can be a solo parent. And these conversations, you will feel connected to because we are all juggling the same things. We definitely talk about how Amy handled life during lockdown, what that looked like in London, where they're at now. Okay, I'm going to shut up so we can hear this conversation with Amy. I can't wait for you to eavesdrop. Let's go. 
Hello, Amy. I am so excited to be talking to you all the way from London. I'm very excited. Thank you for coming on. I'm really thrilled to be talking to you. I've listened to a few of your podcast episodes and they're super fun. Okay. Oh, thank you. How did you get started with that? I used to be a creative. I used to sing and make music, but I stopped once I had children because I didn't have time. But I kind of, I've always felt a need to want to express myself, I guess. And after I became a single parent, I felt so much better in myself and in my life. And I kind of felt like I wanted to do something to show other people who, because when when I was considering ending my relationship, it just felt so overwhelming and scary. And the thought of how would I pay the rent? How would I cope with the children? How would I do all of the things that you do in a partnership usually? But it it really wasn't that bad. And I think I just wanted to put something out into the world, which would not encourage people to leave them. Pro <laughs> <laughs> <No> divorce. <laughs> but just to be like, it can be all right. To, you know, I, just, I wanted to do something. And my good friend does a podcast. So I was kind of aware of podcasts because to be honest, I don't really listen to many podcasts. I do when I run, but I haven't been running lately. So <laughs> I haven't been listening. But um, I was like, oh, maybe I could do a podcast. But then I didn't really know how I would do them. It was kind of a thought for a long time. And then I made friends with this woman when my youngest daughter started school. Her son and my daughter are in the same class. And they got married after like two weeks of knowing each other. Yeah, it's all been very sudden. Um, And we just kind of become friends. Okay. And she was a very entertaining person. Like, oh, you'd be good to do a podcast with. She had like a background in theatre and stuff. So Initially, we started it together and she co-parents with her boy's father. Okay. So we just started recording some episodes and there was, a, there was a, a list of topics that I wanted to discuss and I gave them to my friend and he was like, yeah, brilliant. I think it's really good. Like he's got like a network. So he, like, he was like, I'll put it out on the network. And then it grew from there really. But so we started talking to people because obviously there's only so much I suppose you can talk to with each other yeah you never know (laughs) but then she's her work like is very hectic and it just kind of got to the point where she was just didn't have any time to do it so I decided to carry on on my own and then I always have to talk to people because otherwise (laughs) I'm just talking to myself (laughs) oh I sometimes talk to myself but yeah I get that I enjoy much more to have conversations with other people yes yeah okay so let's talk about when you became a single mom, how long has it been? How old were your kids? So it's coming for seven years and my youngest was 18 months and my eldest was four. So obviously your life changes when you have children and our relationship changed once the children were born. And I was extremely happy being a mum. I loved it much more than I thought I would. And I was very supportive. My ex is a creative and I was very supportive of him still doing whatever he was doing because I was happy and I was happy for him to kind of carry on. But I think, I suppose it is a lot to do with the maternal hormones and stuff. Like I know that some fathers kind of struggle with having the same connections with their kids or feeling the same fulfillment, I guess, of being a parent. But I think he still was quite more interested in kind of doing his outside of family activities. And our relationship was kind of a bit strained and there were other issues that kind of were happening, but I just wasn't happy. And we were arguing a lot 
and it just it wasn't working neither of us it wasn't what either of us wanted and I was just like I'm going to be better off on my own and then something happened and I chucked him out but when I chucked him out I didn't imagine that that would be it I kind of thought that he'd sort himself out and the problem be sorted and then he could come back to the family home and everything would be fine but that unfortunately didn't happen so then was it I just knew then that it was kind of an it was addictive behavior and I know obviously it's not you have to stop doing certain things for yourself and for other people but I just was kind of hoping that you know losing his family would make him think oh. yeah unfortunately like you said it's not how it works so yeah and that was it my youngest was about 18 months as well when I got divorced. So I think back to that time and I'm always like, holy crap, how did I do that? Right? Like my youngest was about 17, 18 months. And then my oldest was three. So similar, right? And like, they're both still in diapers and trying to work and get them to be- like all the things. It's such a crazy transition, even if Like, I know a lot of listeners might have a partner, but that partner doesn't do a whole lot, right? So they feel like they're on their own. Oh, mothers. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So was the transition easy for you? What was the hardest part? I just asked two questions, I realized. So you can answer however you want. (laughs) I mean, I did do everything anyway. The easiest thing for me was the fact that I didn't have to feel annoyed at someone for not doing what I wanted them to do and just doing it myself. And it was actually, it was a relief in a way. He did cook, so, which I cook, but it was nice not having to cook, you know. So cooking dinners every night on top of doing, having to do all the cleaning and, you know, it does just get, I can't remember feeling overwhelmed. I think a couple of times I was quite angry in the beginning and my temper was quite short with the children. I think there was a, there was one time that I felt like I just wanted to leave because they talk a lot. I've got girls <laughs> and they really talk a lot, which is lovely. Sometimes it's just like, I just need a break. I think there was a couple of times that I thought like, I'm just going to go, I'm, but I didn't thankfully. But I guess, and the dealing with everything. So like we were talking about technology, my, my eldest daughter's iPad, her charge is broken or there's certain things that, Stuff like that would be like, I'll just go and ask your dad to get your dad to sort it out because I don't want it. It's just another thing that you have to then do. I did do all the bills and stuff anyway, but it's like the extras, the birthday parties, but then I guess I would have sorted them out. But it's, I suppose it's the little jobs that you can hand over. I think too, just having an extra body, right? Like comes in handy once in a while, another financial resource. Well, yeah, that's the hardest thing I think is like having to earn to... Uh, the front basically what's two wages really I mean I live in London it's ridiculously expensive you know and I don't want to move from where I am because this is where my community is and my support network so I was in a flat and I think well it was four I've been here for four years so it would have been three years after he'd left my landlord told me that they were selling the flat so I needed to find somewhere else to live and the rent prices in our area had gone up by a third so to then find a third more rent money each month on top of and finding somewhere as well, because people don't like single parent families. And I receive like income support because I'm a single parent. So I do help from the government, which is wonderful. But also a lot of landlords don't want anyone who receives support, which is ridiculous because a lot of people do 
So do they treat you differently? I don't feel like that happens as much here, but you're in a completely different country. So what is that? Well, it's private landlords. There isn't any, because I think you have rent controls in America. No, I mean, but I feel like, I mean, it's up to the property manager or the owner of the property to decide if you are capable. So maybe there is some bias that is happening, but yeah. Because a lot of the landlords, it was like no income support. And I was contacting like the estate agent saying, look, I've never missed a rent payment in my life. And the fact that I get guaranteed monthly money from the government surely is a positive thing. You know, one of the ladies that I used to work for, she rented out a property in West London, which used to rent out for £10,000 a month. Like it was crazy expensive. And the trouble that she had with the people that rented that flat, it was ridiculous. Like I've never caused any problems. No. <laughs> just the bias, I suppose they have. Of, and it's like, I do work. I just, I'm, I'm helped out, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, there is a lot of, a lot of prejudice, but obviously they can't say it. No. You know, I did have a woman on my podcast who does a lot of campaigning for single parent families okay. and she'd sold a property and wanted to buy another property, but she hadn't yet found one. So she wanted to rent in between and she couldn't find a property for love nor money. They would not rent to her. Just because? Parent, yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. That is. And the support that you get, that's not coming from your ex, that's coming from the government? Yeah. So there's not a law where they have to provide child support? Well, no, we've got an agreement, but then COVID, he's a freelancer, so COVID kind of happens. So as I work... I've, I've picked up a lot of extra work and I would never choose a job which didn't have a reliable income because I know I have to pay for my children. He doesn't have that point of view. So it's not guaranteed every month. I'm always chasing. Yeah, it's not, it's not reliable. And, and I feel like he likes me asking, you know, is that still kind of the control thing or whatever, which is, but if, if I went through the agency. So my good friend is a single parent and her ex has never paid her a penny in child support. She's got three children. And I think when he's self-employed, so you have to tell them how much you earn. And he told them that he earned so little that he only had to pay her like, I think it was 13 pounds a week for his three, for his three children. Yeah. And he still never paid her that. I mean, it was, and they can't, if, if you're employed, they'll take the money from your wages. But if you're self-employed, you have to pay and they don't do anything if you don't. So he's never, and I didn't go, I didn't want to go down the road because I just thought if you want to pay for your children, as you should do, then do it. And then if you don't, you know, that's. I feel like that's a, I've struggled with that where I just have um, chosen to not fight for things that I know that I should fight for only because I don't have the energy. I don't want to create like more negativity. I don't want to go down that hole. So I choose not to, which I know it like allows them to get away with stuff, but I feel like I preserve my own well-being by not. Do you feel that way? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to choose your, I think I feel I know that I do everything I can to provide for my children and, you know, they have the lifestyle that they've got because of me working. Yeah. He doesn't want to contribute towards that. It's his loss because 
I haven't got the energy to fight for no, I don't either. Yeah. That COVID when I was messaging him, all I got was abuse back talking about his mental health and blah blah blah. And I was like, you've not once asked how I'm coping with our children throughout homeschooling and you know, all the stress that it was, it was just all about I couldn't ask him for money because he was too upset. You know, it was like there were so many jobs he could have gone and got, but he chose not to. But yeah, it was just, but I was like, you know what? There's no point in talking about it because he he is never going to see it from my point of view, just like banging your head against the wall and upsetting yourself. So I was like, I'd rather just, if it comes, it comes. You mentioned that you are in like your people, your community, right? And you didn't want to leave that. So when you, seven years ago, when all this happened, did you have a support system? Was it easy for you to ask for help? How did you navigate that? I've got, I'm very close with my family. And my sister and my parents, well, one of my sisters lives just down the road from me and my parents don't live too far. I've got another sister, but she's in Brighton. So that's like an hour away from London. But I have a very close family unit. I'm very close with my cousins as well. And I have some very good friends that I'm close to. So I am very lucky because I do already have that support network. My parents used to come and stay quite a lot and help out with the kids when we were still together because my ex used to go off on tour as well for a month or so at points you know so used to having and my sister used to come she's like their second mum you know we've we've always had a lot of people in and out of our lives but I like that for the children I think it's good for them to have different influences and and I had a group of mum friends where we'd all met when our firstborns were babies at baby class or whatever so I did have a work of people and I obviously used to confide in them all about my problems as you do yes yes and also when when he first left he was saying he moved in my sister moved in with me for a while when he stayed at her place because obviously he had to go somewhere you know and when he stayed at one of my friends you know it was all quite so everyone was kind of involved really from the start I suppose that's one of the things that I have always had is a good support network and it's important and I've when my landlord did tell me that I had to find somewhere else to live I contacted like the social housing office to find out if there was any way that I could get social housing. Not They have something called housing association here, which is you pay for it, but it's controlled rent and it's discounted. But they basically told me that there is no, there used to be back in the old days, <laughs> there'd be a waiting list that you could go on for a, a subsidised property, but that doesn't exist anymore because in the 80s, a lot of the social housing started to be sold off. So there isn't the social housing that's needed but they told me that the only way I'd get a place was to go turn up at the housing office with my eviction notice and then they'd house me temporarily but that could be anywhere in the country it wouldn't necessarily be near to the school or in the evening area it could be anywhere in the country and I'd have to then wait to get housed the average wait for a one-bedroom property in the borough the London borough that I'm in I think it was about six years. And for a two bedroom, it's eight years. This was four years ago. So I don't know what it's like now. But my cousin was in the same situation that I was in and she got a house straight away and it was all brilliant. It could have been that I did turn up somewhere and it was all wonderful, but I I couldn't risk because I didn't want to be moved away from my support network. No. It's have to leave their school after all that they've been through to then take from their school, well, Lola was the only one at school then, but 
So I just was like, I can't, you know, I can't go down this road. So I didn't. And I still, luckily, I got another job, which then paid for my rent increase, basically. So I managed to navigate. It's, yeah, it's. What do you do for work? I do a, a few things. It's all from home, which is brilliant. But I, I work for a DJ agency doing like paperwork, basically, like the invoicing and contracting and itineraries. I do social media um, and I do remote PAing as well and a few account stuff and various bits and pieces. Yeah. You do. All from home. I um, am a wellness coach and a career coach. So I work with women in that space. Yeah. Oh, lovely. I think that's a really wonderful thing to do. Yeah. And it does offer flexibility. I was so thankful that I had my own business during COVID, right? I mean, I'm sure you were the same being all virtual. That was very challenging. You also were home for a year, homeschooling? Yeah. So how did you manage your mental health during that time? The first, because we had two lockdowns. The first one was from like this time, two years ago. Yes. But it was kind of a bit, like if you weren't obviously sick or had lost your job, it was a bit like having a holiday because the weather was amazing. Schools weren't really providing that much work for the kids to do because obviously it all came out of nowhere, didn't it? Exactly. So we were in the garden a lot playing. We were going for walks every day. We'd go and see my parents for like an outside, like socially distanced walk once a week. It wasn't too bad. But then if I can sunbathe, I'm happy. Fine. Like we would, it was actually really nice. I tried to look at it that we'd never have that opportunity to spend that much time with our children, you know, because they'd be in school, wouldn't they? So, yeah. Yep. And thankfully, we didn't. I actually had COVID in the January before it all kind of came. Oh, before it was even announced. Yeah. I had an antibody test to show that I had had COVID. And the only time that I was sick with the symptoms was in the January. So I'm pretty sure that that's when I had it. But the doctors, well, the, you know, one would say it was because it didn't exist then apparently, but it was it. And my dad had had it as well then. So we were kind of all all right. We didn't know. I mean, there was, there was obviously casualties of friends of friends or whatever, but luckily like our very close friends and family were okay. So it was awful what was going on. It wasn't too bad. And my kids didn't get too anxious about it. I'm, I'm quite a laid back person and I wasn't too, I mean, obviously it was terrible, but I'm not like a worrier. So they, they're not really like, them. so they, they kind of went back to school, I think in the September, but then I think in the November we had like a, a mini lockdown of like, or a break circuit breaker or some bullshit two week thing. And then after Christmas that year, we went into another lockdown, which I think might have been till the April, maybe, but that was awful because by this stage, we had full-on schooling every day. We weren't going outside sunbathing because it was winter. And I'm very lucky. I've got two computers. I just got updated my computer and I still have my old one. So both my girls could do their schoolwork, but then I work because obviously they were using my computer. So they were doing their work and I was helping my youngest one. My oldest one's brilliant. She just got on with what she had to do. and But my youngest one would just take ages doing. <laughs> How old was she or is she now? She's eight now, so she would have been seven. Yeah, that's hard. Which is fine. But then obviously, so they'd finished. 
And I'd be like, okay, I want to do my work now. But then, of course, they're not occupied, so they want my attention. And the amount of food that they ate constantly. And I was doing twice a day because of all the crap everywhere. And it was just, I was very frustrated then because I just was like, no one's going out or having any fun or any release or any. So, yeah, that was really hard then. Yeah. So back to my question, how have you managed it? like mental health wise emotions have you kind of gone through the roller coaster like a lot of us or I didn't get depressed yeah I found it hard but I think everyone was fed up so I didn't take comfort in that but I suppose it felt it felt a bit easier because I knew that everyone was going it I wasn't too hard on myself I suppose for feeling shitty or but yeah I was I was all right I don't know how we just do it well, yeah, I mean, you have to, I couldn't, I couldn't go down because I've got the kids and they, I mean, they were all right. They didn't care going to school. They were quite happy to be at home. And my eldest one was gaming with her friends online and my youngest one missed her friends a lot more, but she likes being with me. So the end of the world. Yeah. But you know, when you have a look, look at those mental health things of what you should do to improve your mental health yes. and it's like when you appreciate nature and stuff, like I'm very... The sky makes me happy. Me too. Happy, you know, so I can take enjoyment out of little things like that. And I think that does help me because I will find pleasure in and drinking alcohol. I think it will be three years this summer. So I didn't drink at all throughout lockdown. And I think that really helped me as well, because I know that if I've been drinking, then I would definitely have been drinking a lot. And then that would have affected me more. Yeah, it's interesting to see see the research now about how much alcohol consumption went up over the last two years. I mean, it's just a coping strategy for a lot of people. So that's great that you weren't relying on that. I did eat a lot of chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) But that doesn't affect my mood as much as... Exactly. But my um, I go to a gym and it basically went online. So every day we'd get up and do an 8am or 9am class with, we could see all the people that we... Would not that really helped a lot? But we had obviously like a WhatsApp group. But the amount of people that were just drinking, you know, posting how much they were drinking, and you know, it was a bit like shit. If that was, I know, been exactly the same because there's no you. It it did feel like a holiday, didn't it? Yeah, I feel like you know it was kind of the same thing when you're stuck at home. It's like okay, well, what are we gonna do, right? And a lot of people were just like, well, I'm not driving anyway, so. <laughs> Right. And I'm not knocking people who have chosen to do that or ended up. I mean, it was a hard couple of years and whatever gets through. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Alcohol's never really agreed with me. I'd always really suffer on the other side of it. So I know that it wouldn't have been good for me to do that. Yeah. I when I became a single mom, that's really when I started to cut alcohol out of my life because I was like, I can't do this. Even just like once a week having a few drinks, I just felt horrible. And then I was still responsible for two children for myself. So I was like, this is not going to work. Was that pretty much straight away? Yeah, my consumption went down a lot because I think also I'm only really a social drinker. So when my ex was in the house, if he had a glass of something then I would, but like after that, I really like not a big deal. When I started dating, like after I had gotten divorced and just kind of going out for fun, I would have a drink or two, but then I would just feel awful because it doesn't sit well with me. So yeah. 
speaking of, did you start dating? How was that experience for you? I didn't start on the apps. It was about two years after, not because I didn't, I think it just took me a real long time to get my head around the fact that I was single again. I've never really had a lot of relationships anyway. I've always kind of been single because I really, really meet people that I like. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of, I don't, and I was like, I'm a completely different person. I'd had two children. I didn't know who I was. It was the biggest thing I think was when they'd start, when we split up and then they'd go off with their dad for a few days, I'd be like, I don't know who I am. I just didn't have a clue who I am. What do I like doing? What do I, I don't look like myself when I was in this situation before. It was just, that was the worst thing, I think. That was the hardest for me too, especially the first night that they were away. I think I cried on the floor of my house. Like, what do I do without them? Like, they're supposed to be with me. How am I supposed to? So I would like fill my time with everything. (laughs) I remember he took them to um, Euro Disney. So they were away for four days. So I think that was, that would have been after a year, actually. So we'd been split for quite a long time, but I think that was the first time they'd been away from me. And I cleaned my house four days straight, like from top bottom, things that had never probably been cleaned before ever. But it was like I'd had like a mini breakdown, I think, because I just couldn't deal with the fact that they were having these experiences without me, but they weren't supposed to be with me. It was, it was very, um, yeah, very weird. But I, I think after, maybe it was a year after we split up, I joined like an online exercise and diet program thing. Cause I was just like, I need to get into shape more so for the fact that I was just the healthiest I could be because I knew that I had to be around for them as much as possible. The fact that I wanted to lose weight so I could, day yeah <laughs> and that has really helped with my mental health as well I think the exercise I really I love it now I wish that I'd started exercising years ago because it would have helped a lot with my confidence and happiness but I yeah I think it was after about two years I kind of joined up to the apps and I've had like some really nice people I've, I've made friends out of it but I just haven't met anyone that I've had like a connection with. And obviously lockdown, no one met anyone anyway, did they, for, well, a couple of years, really. So that's yeah, time as well. And there was a lot of, I didn't know if I wanted to enter into another relationship because of all the crap that can come along with it. Like if I'm, it, it really takes a lot of time. Going on the apps and building a relationship, it really takes a lot of time. I don't have time. And then if you're feeling a bit insecure and you're not hearing from them, then you're going to be in a bad mood and then I'm going to be sleeping with the kids or if we have a row, then I'm going to take it out with the kids. And there was just a lot of, I don't want to be that person with them. So it was hard to kind of get my head around that. Yeah. I also think too, priorities change a lot when you're in this position, right? Where it's like, okay, my kids are like kids making money. Other people are after that and there's very limited energy that you have for them. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I'd, love, I'd love for someone to knock on my door tomorrow and they'd just be the man of my dreams and everything would be perfect. That's what I'd love. Yeah. I'm up for them. But Fingers crossed. The, the effort of trying to find them. Oh, I go through, I'm up and down with it. Sometimes I'm on it and I'm looking and but it's just that same conversation that you have to have all the time with the person and then and then there's been a couple of times and I've had like a really good connection with someone and then they've just disappeared and it's like you never find out what the reason is for that and it's not even thinking about it but it's like 
I just, I've wasted all that time. Yeah, exactly. You could have been reading a good book. <laughs> yeah. But my kids, they want me to meet someone. They're all, because their dad's in a relationship now with a really wonderful woman, which is absolutely brilliant because they really like her. So that's great. But they are a bit like, you got a boyfriend. Because like, you're my world right now. <laughs> to, right. Time for that, you know. Yeah, I think too. I mean, I was talking to somebody else I interviewed who has two girls and, you know, it's that like teaching them how to prioritize yourself and take care of yourself and all those things, trying to figure out how to do that while you're also raising them. Has that been challenging? Because you have two girls, which is different. I have boys. I feel like there's some differences there. Yeah, been, I've been doing a lot of work on myself lately. <laughs> There's a fine line between being feeling like you're being selfish and setting an example of, I need to do this for myself because you need to spend time on yourself. So I do, like, with going to the gym, I'm very strict about that. Like, I'll go every day. Like, they'll have to come with me sometimes or I'll, I'll be taking the time out to do that myself. But I want them to see that that's something that they need to do in their life. They need to have their physical health because that's obviously it's very important. And, and it's your responsibility and I have like I've just been away with my girlfriends for a weekend in Cornwall which was amazing and I do get to do that's the one good thing about being a single parent is you do get time away from your kids <laughs> if, <laughs> you know? if you've got that uh, arrangement yeah you can have like a proper break which you do need to just kind of reset and when I was away I was like I'll have to bring them here and I missed them it was nice to just have that time when you didn't have anyone calling you mum and asking you for something, you know, for a few days. It's You need to have that break. But um, the one thing that I wanted for them was to be confident. And my eldest one is definitely confident. Like she's got her own look and she's into art and fashion and she wanted to cut all her hair off, which I let her do because I just couldn't deal with the moaning anymore. But she's very... She just does herself. And I love that because I not felt confident in myself until recently. So, and, and she's not, I mean, obviously she does care about what people think, but not enough to stop what she's doing. You know, I love that. My youngest one's a bit more anxious, but I think that's, she's just a bit more sensitive. And obviously COVID and her best friend moved away, who she'd been with since she was very little, but she's still... Uh, she's seeing a therapist actually I've taken her to see someone because I just want her to I want her to be happier be away from me but also I just want her to have that so if she suffers when she's older with anxiety or whatever she'll know that she can go and speak to someone and you know that's the thing for but she enjoys it and I've definitely seen a difference in her confidence like she's going to school fine and I think she's just quite shy but I'm hoping that she'll have that confidence as well and just self assurance and not do things that they might not really want to do yeah I have my oldest in therapy right now he's um struggling with the situation I think at this age finally recognizing a lot of what's going on uh, especially as a young boy and it's been helpful they have a relationship with their dad they do it's they just don't see him very often so I think that that's challenging when you start to recognize that. So, but I asked that question about you taking care of yourself because recently I'm in therapy and my therapist challenged me to, to do something for myself every day. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, 
what do you mean? Like I go for a run. I have a babysitter that comes, I go for a run. He's like, that doesn't count. Like I said, well, I get my hair colored like every six weeks doesn't count. I'm like, so what do you mean? He's like, if you were dating yourself, Kelly, what would you do for yourself? And I was like, I don't know, like buy myself flowers. He said, that would be one of them. So that's um, a struggle for me. So I, that's why I was asking about you. I work out every day. That's, that's myself. Surely that's got to count. But if that doesn't count. So I know. Once a week. Yeah. <laughs> A massage one week and maybe I'm still working on it, by the way. Yeah, that's quite a lot. But it's terrible that you can't think of things. Yes. A nice thing to do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I had. Um, my friend's a life coach, and she's you need to have a day of like she's like, take a day off. One day you don't work and you do something for yourself, like go to an art gallery or a nice walk somewhere or do something. Did you do it? <laughs> no I mean I do I need to my my thing is I need to organize my time because I'm doing so much and I need to kind of so I do have a day where I just don't do anything so I can just breathe and get my mind back to which will, then I'll will make everything else I'm doing better because I'm not so stressed out all the time yeah it's just getting to that point where you can have a day exactly Okay. I don't want to forget this. Um, I had asked you one of your favorite stories that always makes you laugh or smile. You put camp festival. Yes, please. I don't, first of all, what is camp festival? (laughs) Festival is a festival here and it's always been the best festival, but it's very messy, but they do camp festival for families. So I've been a few times we're going this year, actually. It's really good fun. But we went, I think, I don't know how many years ago it was. Juno was, maybe, she, no, she would have been two, I reckon. So maybe, yeah, she would have been two. So it would have been five, six years ago. Okay. Anyway, so I went with my sister and it was really bad weather. It was really windy and rainy. And we I borrowed my other sister's tent and I'd put it up in the garden and it didn't have any tent pegs. So I just ordered some pegs online. And when we got there and put the tent up, some very nice people that were professional campers were helping us. And they were like, these aren't tent pegs. They're just like <laughs> garden pegs. And I was like, I don't know what either of them are. So anyway, I was drinking at this point. <laughs> On the first night, we just got drunk and put the tent out. And it was all right, actually. But I think the second night, there was quite a lot of bad weather, but we'd got Mark Ronson, I think, was playing on the main stage. And I was dancing with Juno, just having, the, we just had the best time. And then we were halfway back to where we were camping and I'd realised that she dropped one of her wellies. But I was like, I'm going to go and find the welly. And I, I found it in a field, people that were all still there. And I was like, oh my God, I'm superwoman. <laughs> like... I just said, I mean, we've been walking for like 10 minutes, you know, and I just retraced it back to where we were and I'd found it. So I was like, this is amazing. And woke up the next day. Oh no, when we, when we got back to our tent, it had half collapsed and it was all flooded. And it was just absolutely like we'd all, it was, I think it had two compartments and we'd all had to sleep in the one compartment because it was just an absolute disaster. Anyway, we woke up the next day and we're like, we're going to have to go home because <laughs> the tent's just destroyed. Everything's just, you know. And I had a group of friends there, but they'd all 
paid for boutique camping so you just go and you have like a bell tent that's all set up yes. fancy and I just messaged him saying look we've got to go home because we've had a I, I'd honestly had the best time I was like it's fine you know one day's enough one of my other friends was leaving because she had her her youngest would not be carried but he couldn't walk in the mud because he kept falling over so she was just having an absolute nightmare and they were like do you know what we're just going to go so they were like you can just have our tent so we then we were left and it was like going to a five-star hotel after we'd left <laughs> hot showers and they had a tent with mirrors and hair dryers and phone charges. I mean it was so that's just it's one of my favorite memories because we did just have such a good time then we had just such a massive result with moving into this amazing tent. That I mean, I think there's been about two grand on the tent and tickets and whatever. And they were just like, we're just going to go. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. And, um, and finding the welly, I was like, I just, I just felt in that moment, if I can do that, I can do anything. Because you're super woman. Okay, so that was one of my favorite. And we just, we did, we just had such a good time. Yeah. And being with all my friends and all the kids were together. It was obviously so much better when we were then with everyone, you know. Yeah. And just letting go and relaxing. And oh, I love that. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So as we wrap up, what do you think like a couple of things you've learned over the last seven years that would be helpful for anybody who may be new, uh, newly entering this solo parenthood or has been doing it for a long time and maybe needs a little advice. The most important thing I've learned is that you need to be happy because if you're not happy, then you can't parent as well as you could do. Not, not in the, obviously if you've got mental health issues and my friend is always telling me you shouldn't be happy all the time, but you've got to be happy in your situation. Like I'd much rather struggle on my own than be in an unhappy relationship that was making me sad Still doing as much as I do anyway, really, just obviously just having support financially or, you know, occasionally with the washing up or whatever. And I just think the thought does feel very overwhelming and like you can't handle it and it's going to be too much. But if you just kind of try and take one day at a time and just get through the stuff that you've got to deal with today, don't worry too much about it tomorrow. I think as long as you're happy and as long as you've got a roof over your head and food, then if you just keep going, it does get better. I don't think you should ever stay in an unhappy relationship for the kids either because they pick up on it. And funnily enough, when there have been some issues with my children not wanting to see their father for similar reasons why we split up, basically, it was, it's quite, got quite a temper. And I'm not like that. It's, you know, we're a very, it's a very laid back house. It's not, there's no real stress or, you know, obviously I shout and we do shout, but it's not on the whole, it's quite chill, but he's very much not like that. And when I had the conversation with my daughter, when she didn't want to see him and she was kind of listing all these things. And I was a bit like, I know this isn't really a great thing to say, but now you can understand why we're not in the same house anymore. You know, and she's like, yeah, I, I understand that. And I know that they'd be a lot different if we were all in the same house because he wasn't happy here and I definitely wasn't happy. So it is for the best, really, for everyone. I think you know, like I do, I felt every day after I initially kicked him out, I felt lighter every day. I just, I had no idea how laden down I was or how unhappy, how unhappy I was until time just showed me how much better I felt for everything, you know. 
And that's what's important. Yeah, I think it's scary in the moment, right? But once you make that change, you realize how the environment, how the situation was toxic or unhealthy for the kids, especially for you. And then, you know, you can figure it out. I think, you know, I always have people ask me like, how do you do it, Kelly? Like, how do you do it? And I'm like, if you were in the same position, you would figure it out. Like we figure it out. Yeah. You just get on with it. Yeah. And it's normal now. Like, I don't know. This is what I know. And I have for most of their life. So, and they have too. And kids, you know, they figure it out and they are receptive and they're very, they're very smart, which in your case, your daughter's figuring it out. Okay. One more question. What has helped you the most? Obviously your attitude, staying in the present. Anything else? Probably the support of the people that I've got around me, I guess. I've always felt like I've seen one will have my back worst case scenario but I do I find it very hard to ask for help I've had some health issues lately I've got um endometriosis a lot of pain and times when I can't take the kids to school or whatever and I hate asking people and I I have to work on that because it's like people really don't mind like people offer you know I I did the school run once and my friend was like are you all right because I was kind of hobbling along and I was like no I've got pain she's like why didn't you I mean, I was like, because I just don't want to, because I know what it's like to be a mum. You then want to ask it of other people because you know how much you've got going on, you know. And she, but she was like, it's fine. So it, that's, I think that's another thing is ask for help because people want to help. Yeah. I think we all need that like tattooed on the forehead. Definitely. Amy, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing so much. Your podcast is called Mum and Mummer. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, We'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And I just really appreciate you sharing a part of your story with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for asking me. Thank you. 